Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Presented by BetOnline.ag here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. The NFL season is in full swing and you might not be at the game this year, but you could still be in on the action at BetOnline. 6-3-1 this week, three units up on the weekend. We are up seven units over the last three weeks, two units each of the last two weeks. We're making money for you guys on this show, 66 38 and 2 overall and that is all courtesy of betonline.ag from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props betonline gives you more options to wager than any other place online and there's always the online casino as well it never closes so at the betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses again that's betonline.ag and sign up today betonline your online sportsbook experts what is going on everybody I'm your host, Steven Tino Rodriguez, and you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, the Believe website, BLEAV.com. Like, download, rate, and subscribe on all podcast platforms. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter at NYFootballPod, as well as myself at Tino Rodriguez with a double underscore. Huge episode for you guys coming up. We have Benny Ricciardi on, as always, as a part of the FTN Network and FTN Bets. He's going to help us keep pumping out winners for you guys, as I just mentioned in our Bet Online ad read there. 66, 38, and 2 overall show record. Three units up this weekend, making you guys some nice chunk of change over the Thanksgiving weekend. But first thing is first. It is December. The Giants are in first place of the NFC East. Hit the music. We're going streaking. The Giants have won three games in a row, finished November 3-1 and one on the month, could have won four games if we count that Bucks game, but on this New York football podcast, we saw this successful month of November coming for the New York Giants, and by God, did it work out in our favor. I didn't foresee first place coming, but it feels good to be there. The Giants capped off their month of November with a narrow 19-17 win over the Cincinnati Bengals, and in true Giants fashion, it was ugly. And it definitely was not easy. But at the end of the day, the Giants kept calm and calm and done. As the Wayne train was the difference maker on this offense. Especially when Danny went down, which we'll get to in a second after we recap this game. But Wayne finished with 24 carries for 94 yards and a touchdown. He now has a rushing touchdown in five consecutive games. Now before exiting the game with a hamstring injury, Danny was 16 for 27 for 213 passing yards with 6 carries for 19 yards and didn't turn the ball over for the third consecutive game. Huge progress by Danny Dimes. The O-line didn't allow a single sack all game. And despite some god-awful penalties by Cam Fleming, played incredibly well. And although he scared the shit out of me at times, Cole McCoy came in for relief of Danny Jones 
and completed 6 of 10 passes, 60%. Nice little mental math there for 31 yards and added 5 carries for 7 yards. And those were legitimate carries, not just scrambles. They were design runs. They were trying to still give him RPO looks, and it looks like that'll be the game plan even with Colt McCoy in the game. Evan Ingram still played like a goof at times, but made two huge catches on dimes from Danny. He totaled six receptions on a team-high nine targets for 129 yards. Sterling Shepard was right behind him as old reliable with seven receptions on eight targets for 64 yards. And let's talk about Danny's injury first before we jump into defense. And I want to give credit where credit is due. So when the injury happened, I was talking to Steph, and that's at Steffi Smalls with three L's, and she was all over it. Uh, She's yet to be wrong in this situation, and I highly recommend you go follow her on Twitter and read her weekly injury report, You're Killing Me Smalls. I always retweet it out, but especially this week with all the Danny drama, because as soon as the injury happened, it didn't look that serious to me. kind of looked like a cramp, but you could tell he was in a lot of pain, and, and he fell weird. It was a little uncomfortable to look at. But she initially, off the rip, ruled out the tear and mentioned that it would most likely be a strain and would probably be a pain tolerance thing moving forward regardless of what happened. And noted that the MRI that everyone desperately wanted to wait and hear about wouldn't really provide any clarity. But naturally, as the New York media loves to do, provided some fear that Danny's injury would be worse and he could miss significant time. And maybe all this work that the Giants just put together for first place would go to shit. But now you fast forward to today, and she's spot on. The MRI didn't tell us anything. And Danny and his hammy will be managed based on pain tolerance. And at his worst, we'll miss Sunday. But here's my take on it. The Cowboys play the Ravens if the Ravens ever decide to figure out their COVID situation. Washington plays the Steelers also if the Ravens ever figure out their COVID situation. That game's already been rescheduled twice. The Eagles play the Packers. So, you know, in retrospect, the entire NFC East could go 0 for 4. Best case, one of three. One of those teams maybe figure something out with all these COVID cases. But it doesn't look like it'll be the Cowboys because Lamar will be back because that game got rescheduled to Tuesday. The Steelers are fine and Washington is really our biggest worry. And the Eagles just lost, so that helps us. But we don't need Danny going out there this week if he isn't ready to go. We should, without a doubt, just let the NFC East be the NFC East this week. And if everybody loses, which they should... We will still be in first place heading back home against Arizona, which is a team I've said numerous times would be the better matchup for us. Bradbury on Hopkins. Murray's battling a shoulder injury. They just lost to the Pats. A tolerable running game and a vulnerable defense. And we're home. This is a game that I think we should circle and we can build momentum going into Cleveland with other than risk further injury with Danny. And I get it. Pain tolerance. We don't have to you know, harp on it too much. The the, the fact that it's not severe. It's really if he's good to go. But even if he is, I just don't know if we should just trot him out there. It doesn't make any sense to me. We have too much to lose if he re-injures it or makes it worse. And I'm not trying to say that I don't have faith in the Giants winning without Danny in Seattle. Because I think we could beat anyone if we continue to run the ball and play the elite level of defense that we've been playing. But I think it's worth noting That the Giants are in a position they haven't been in a while. In terms of, two, the fact that Eli was never hurt. But we're in first place. Tied, technically, but we own that tiebreaker. But we're right there with Washington. And I think it's very interesting to monitor how Judge wants to handle the situation. Because they're the type of organization right now. It's next man up. 
when we had COVID cases, next man up. And I think they're going to be next man up with Colt McCoy. I don't think they want to rush Danny back. And I don't know if they really should. Take your time with it. We don't need him to tweak his hammy anymore. There are bigger games this season to worry about. And remember, we're at four wins. This was a win we needed. We talked about on this show, six wins would do it. We just need two more. But now let's hop over and talk defense real quick. Because the defense won us this game. And to me, this was a very similar finish to the Washington game two weeks ago. The offense couldn't fully put the game away. And we leaned on our defense. And that game, they came up with two huge interception stops. This game, they came up with the one huge stop on that Jabal Sheard forced fumble. But the Bengals were at the 50 with plenty of time left, staring a game-winning field goal, at least attempt, in the face. And on the first play, this Giants D put an end to that one-point backdoor loss I was expecting. And the defense continues to prove, time after time, that they're real. And they almost feed off that pressure. Three total turnovers, two fumbles, an interception. The other forced fumble was Logan Ryan, who was assisted by a guy who started his first game with the Giants. And also came up with a gigantic interception in Nikos Lelos. And I think Lelos' huge game is just another tip of the cap to the coaching efforts of defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. Graham has an arsenal of players he has ready to go and make an impact on this defense. McKinney made his debut and he was only out there a handful of snaps. They weren't rushing guys back because they have faith in their coaching abilities to put guys in positions to succeed. And it's worked. But now let's look forward to Sunday. And our keys to beating Seattle aren't all that different whether McCoy or Jones is under center. The quarterbacks will have to be game managers and feed off that running game as we've done over this three-game winning streak. We need to pressure Russell on the defensive side of the ball and force him to make a mistake because that's when Seattle is beatable, not when Russell's clean and doing whatever he wants. We have to force him to make a mistake. And we have to continue to get this stout offensive line play. Because not allowing a sack this week, and yes, I know it's Cincinnati, but that's a very big deal for this team. That's struggled up front in the way that we've had and answered the bell in terms of firing our offensive lineman coach a week ago. So now the Giants open up as 9.5 point underdogs on the road in Seattle. Large in part due to the questions at QB. But that's one of the largest spreads the G-Men have had all season. So I think they're going to come out fired up under Judge. They feed off covering these gigantic spreads. But regardless, if Colt McCoy is starter or Daniel Jones is a starter, I think Joe Judge will have this team and have this defense in the right mindset to keep this game at the worst, close, and respectable to the point where people realize that the Giants are in first place of the NFC East because they're the best of the worst. They're in first place because they're playing at a playoff caliber level right now. And under Joe Judge, this team is a serious playoff contender and threat. But now let's move over to a team who can't even worry about the playoffs because they need to win a game first, and that is the New York Jets. And there is not that much to talk about, to be honest, after their performance this week. Sam Darnold returned as starting quarterback of the New York Jets this week, and as a result, Adam Gase, head coach of the Jets, felt the need to take over as play caller yet again despite handing it over earlier this season and finding some success on offense the last couple of weeks. But Adam said, you know what? Let me take it over. It worked so well the last time we played the Dolphins. We got shut out 24-0. I think it could be better this time around. And it slightly was. It was a little bit better. 
The Jets dropped to 0-11 and lost 20-3 this time. They kicked a field goal on their opening drive of the game, and in retrospect, it was a slight improvement. But the Jets opened the game on a 9-play field goal drive and took a 3-0 lead. Solid. But then they didn't put together a drive longer than 5 plays the entire game after. Not good. <laughs> Not good. Sam Darnold didn't look very good. Completed 16 of 27 uh, for 197 yards, two interceptions. And I think the lone bright spot really for me was Denzel Mims, who continued to play his role well, catching four receptions of eight targets for 67 yards. But overall, this is pretty much where we're used to with the Jets. The defense showed a resilient effort, forced some turnovers, had some sacks. But 0-16 is among us. And I don't really have an extensive look at this for you guys. The Jets are going to remain home against a stumbling Oakland Raiders team who have dropped two in a row and are eight-point favorites against the Jets, which is pretty much the norm now, eight points, and it's either going to move drastically up towards 10, nine and a half-ish, or for some reason go down to like seven, seven and a half where the Dolphins game was. But point being, if Adam Gay stays as the OC here, I mean, if this is the production people are going to get out of the Jets, what are you betting on? Does the number even matter? I mean, some of these results are appalling other than the games that Adam Gase had no business calling plays in. The last two games, 27-28. Before that, they couldn't score over 10 points. Now they're at three. The Raiders' defense, not, not world beaters by any means. But I just don't see how this is drastically going to get better. Adam Gase, by the way, 7-20 and 20 as Jets head coach. So, Jets fans... He's not gone yet. I don't know how the heck he's going to be gone anytime soon because there are glaring signs of the fact that this guy should not be here anymore and he obviously does a really bad job at things he's supposed to be good at and it's just not happening. But let's transition away from the negativity of the Jets and go back to some positive. And let's talk about the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. What a comeback for the Scarlet Knights battling back from down 23-13 at halftime to winning 37-30 over Purdue and snapping a four-game losing streak. And I told you guys, this was a different four-game losing streak. They were competitive, other than the Ohio State game. But who's competitive with Ohio State? Other than that game, Michigan, overtime loss. Indiana, they were right there. Illinois, they should have won. But here we are, Rutgers, without starting quarterback Noah Vedral, who suffered an injury last week. Backup Johnny Langdon was up to the task. Langdon, more of like a running back, honestly. Gigantic guy. Where's the, where's the number in the 20s? It's great. Huge fan. Muscled his way for 95 yards on 21 carries, completed three of three passes for 84 yards, including a 64-yard touchdown pass. Now, Langdon didn't do it all by himself, mainly because he is pretty much a running back. And what Rutgers decided to do, because they still utilize Langdon, if you are if you haven't caught a Rutgers game this year, they did play Langdon even when Bedrill was in there. So they like running a two-quarterback system. And junior Arthur Sitkowski Rose to the occasion as well, completing 19 of 28 passes for 152 yards and two touchdowns. Both of those touchdowns coming in the first quarter on 14-yard receptions to Shameen Jones, who finished with eight receptions for 88 yards. But I just want to talk about the fact that this is a different attitude, a different mindset with this Rutgers team. I, I think the glaring difference was at the fact that Rutgers came back, cut the lead to three, and... They gave it up in the second half again and went back down 10. And how do they answer? A 100-yard kick return on the road to bring it back to three. 
and what they're learning along the way after being such a losing program. And you saw, you're seeing the growing pains earlier this season on that four-game losing streak. These are the early stages of becoming a winning program. Winning games on special teams. Doing things on defense. The defense played huge. Rutgers is really becoming something. And I know they're 2-4. and four, And let's settle down. But when you've been in the gutter as long as they have, these are the strides and progress you're looking for. And now they're going to head back home this Saturday and host yet another winnable Big Ten game as they host the 1-5 Penn State Nittany Lions who just came up with their first win of the season against Michigan, a team that Rutgers could have won, should have won, but didn't. So I expect just yet another close game that just maybe Rutgers will be able to win. Just one last thing to note here before I get you guys ready for my discussion with Benny Ricciardi. Army-Navy next Saturday, the 12th. Just a reminder, hashtag go Army, beat Navy. The uniforms were released and look dope. Check those out. Those will be on the Twitter page. But now let's get ready for Benny Ricciardi. Benny is here, of course, a part of the FTN Network and FTM Bets. We'll go through, break down, and extract value on the full Week 13 slate of games and talk to you about potential line movements and favorable early lines that should help you guys make some money early in the week despite all this COVID craziness, which we will get to in just a few minutes. But without further ado, here he is, Benny Ricciardi. All right, so now I have the great pleasure of bringing on for, I think, the sixth consecutive week now. I completely made that number up, but it sounds about right. Benny R11, here to make the people some more money. Benny, I already informed the folks. We're up three units on Thanksgiving weekend. I don't know if that's how you're doing in real life, but that's how we're doing here on the New York Football Podcast. Pretty good. Pretty good. Up five over the last two weeks. We're doing what we told the people we'd do. We're making them some bread. I love to see it. And I hope your Thanksgiving was good, man. Yeah, it was good. I'm, uh, I'm down at the beach, as you can see down here. So uh, the kids are virtual. So I said, you know what? If the kids are going to be virtual, we might as well do it from a house where we got more room to hang out. And everybody kind of has their own space. So, uh, I mean, I love, like, you know, we live right outside the New York City area. You and I are from the same hometown of Weehawk in New Jersey. Um, it's just there's not a lot of room there. You know, a lot of apartment living. Even if you have a house like you and I both do, we're – you know, the, the rooms are small, like it's, you know, everything, everything's skinny. Like you get down, you start going down to like South Jersey or like out a little bit there, you, you get a lot more land for the, uh, for the money. So it's the congestion. It's in the air. The congestion's in the air around here. I actually think COVID has helped this area with the air. True. I think it's that benefited it. But yeah, the congestion of people, I mean, going down to school in South Jersey, that was the first thing you noticed, just how far away even houses and apartments are. You know, like over here, it's like we're putting everybody and anyone we can. I hear my, I hear my neighbors when they're yelling at each other. Like we're <laughs> yeah, 100%. Well, so speaking of people who are yelling at each other, there's been a lot of bickering going on in the NFL the last week, mainly from two teams. One team is clearly getting boned. The other one seems to be getting the benefit of the doubt any way they can because the NFL doesn't want another Broncos situation going on. But a team we talked about last week, and a matchup we talked about last week, Benny, was the Baltimore Ravens at the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we advised the people 
that because she's on this game, we didn't talk about it very long. This was a four-point spread. Now, a full week later, chaos is hit. Uh, COVID chaos has run crazy. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens are – the Baltimore Colts, uh, Colts at this point. It is insane. They're a shell of themselves, but luckily it seems like they'll have their two running backs. They don't really have anyone else. But RG3 is going to take the snaps under center. They're 10-point dogs at Pittsburgh. This game is tomorrow, Wednesday afternoon. So shortly after this releases in the morning, we're going to have some NFL action. Over-under is at 42. Benny, we also don't even have to go too far into this just because of how wacky this game has been. But what are your overall thoughts on this? Obviously, this affects our gambling week moving forward, too. Do you just think this whole thing is ridiculous with the Ravens? I mean, I mean, the, the, I feel like they're benefiting from this, but they're the ones who actually should have been punished because they've had all these COVID cases? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think that anybody – I don't think anybody disagrees with that at this point. I, you yeah. know, I don't – I really don't know what to do with this game, Steve. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, basically, we're looking at – we're looking at a Baltimore Ravens team that's going to be playing without their starting quarterback. They're going to be missing a whole bunch of pieces all throughout their offense and defense right here. Like, NFL football is hard. Even when all your guys are healthy and you're going into a game, especially when you're going up against a team that's undefeated, that has a – Lockdown defense, uh, you know, lockdown defense has an offense that is good enough to score points against anybody. I mean, you know, this is a team that I think they scored like 24 points in every game they played and gave up less than 27 in every game they played. So, I mean, Pittsburgh is legit. You're not an undefeated team with double-digit wins if you're not legit. Like, even at full strength, I thought Pittsburgh was going to win this game. So, really, I guess all we're talking about now is like, is 10 too many points? And Based on what we've seen from some of the other situations where guys, like, couldn't play, I mean, the Denver game is one that stands out, but, like, even other times this year, the team that has all the people missing usually gets beat up. I mean, it happened in New England for a while. You know, it's happened to a couple teams this year. Do I want to play 10? Not really. Would I tease it down to four? Sure. By all means. I, I mean, I totally expect Pittsburgh to win. I just don't want to put myself in a situation where Pittsburgh's up, like, you know, 17 late in the game, and then it's like a – you know, a prevent defense backdoor touchdown kind of thing. Cause I could totally see that happening in this situation. So if I have to bet, I'll take Pittsburgh. I like it a lot better. If you tease it down to, to four, I think it was that 10 or 10 and a half. I mean, I saw 10 and so a half. We have it at 10 on bet online right now. It is at minus. Right, I, I would tease it down to four. I, I feel comfortable doing that. I, I don't ever like taking double digit spreads because it's no. just, you never know what's going to happen. Right. Well, so you're talking about backdoor covers, and we're going to get to a game with a yeah. team that featured a nasty backdoor cover last night. Probably the worst I've ever seen. Uh, one of the worst I've ever seen. I mean, that was just unfair, brutal, and required a few things to happen in order for that to go down. One more thing on this game, though. I, I think it's very interesting to me, even with the rescheduling of the Ravens game to next Tuesday so that they could get Lamar Jackson back, I'm just wondering why they kind of told the Broncos to eat shit and they didn't reschedule that game and kind of sucked it up knowing the quality of that. Like, I feel like that was a test, almost like a test subject. Like, oh, let's see how bad this could really be. And it's like, dude, it's that bad. bad. Yeah, it's going to be really, it's really that bad. bad. I mean, that was an ugly game. Like, really ugly. It, it was bad. I mean, honestly, and the Saints didn't even put the, their foot on the gas, which we'll talk about here later. Like, if the Saints wanted to – that could have been a 48 nothing game very, very easily. Like, they, they almost kind of took it easy on Denver, too, which – but, again, this is a problem with football. It's like you can't play football half speed. You know what I mean? So, like, just – there's just so many things about this that are wrong. But, listen, 
I keep going back to the same thing I said at the beginning of the season, right? If you would have told me at the beginning of the season that we would have got through 11 weeks of the NFL season pretty much un, unscathed without any major issues, like everything just kind of humming along, people basically forgetting about the fact that we almost didn't have a season. Most people would have signed up for that week one without even thinking about it. So you can't really be mad about it at this point. You know, you knew at some point during the season there was going to be something that happened. And um, it took a lot longer than I think a lot of people expected it to for something to really kind of mess things up. And at this point, we're, what, a month and a half away from the end of the season? Like, you know, suck it up, figure it out. You know what? The way I look at it is if Baltimore gets their ass kicked and loses this game because they got COVID and, you know, we're not taking the precautions they were supposed to, that's kind of the way it should be, right? As long as this doesn't, as long as this doesn't derail Pittsburgh going undefeated because next week everybody on their team has COVID, I don't really think this is a big deal. Baltimore I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting. Yeah, well, I, I mean, that, honestly, that's my fear. Like, that's that's what I think. Division rivals? You think the Ravens don't want to give the Steelers? I'm breathing, I'm breathing on everybody. Hell yeah. yeah oh, my God. They, they're giving everyone a handshake after the game. In terms of this number, the minus 10, um, I, I was thinking that, yeah, I could just tease it down to four, get it to the original number we kind of talked about, and then have that kind of get a leg out of the way in whatever teaser I put together. I'll table that in terms of the show and us having to pick a number. I'll take them to cover the 10. Here's what worries me though. RG three did play uh, against kind of the Steelers defense in week 17 last year. The Steelers were still trying to make the playoffs. Didn't they lose to the Jets, by the way? Didn't the Steelers lose to the Jets to miss the playoffs last year? I believe it was something like that. that yeah, I actually do think that happened. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Frequently, I should remember them all. I was thinking yeah. back to the game. I think it was like week 16. Anyways, the Steelers were still trying to be competitive, and RG3 played because they clinched the uh, bye, and it just so happened that they uh, beat them. So, you know, anything could happen. RG3, Heisman Trophy winner. And, you know, you never know. You never know. Steelers, though. Steelers definitely by 14. But we'll move on. Sunday at 1 p.m. Speaking of the Jets, I thought it was a trap game for the Dolphins last week. And then they threw me a curveball, a curveball I talked about on the show already. The Jets got Sam Darnold back, and I thought, you know what? This offense has done pretty good. With Sam Darnold back, this could be better. And Adam said, no, no, no. Adam Gay said, I want to call the plays too. And what happened as a result? Well, they scored three points. <laughs> so the Jets now, and this is the norm. I feel like eight to eight and a half is always where it's going to open just about with the Jets, you know, somewhere over the touchdown mark. This number on bet online is at seven and a half for the Raiders, the Oakland Raiders or the Las Vegas Raiders coming off a dud of a game against the Atlanta Falcons, where I don't believe they scored a touchdown either. And they were a darling for a lot of people to bet, at least the people I talked to. They loved the Raiders last week. They got the short end of the stick and got beaten to shreds by the Atlanta Falcons. But here they are, still on the road. They are now seven-and-a-half favorites, seven-and-a-half-point favorites against the Jets. Benny, where's your head at with this Jets team? I feel like it's hard to believe that the Jets are going to score, let alone cover at this point, you know? So I feel like, and I said it earlier on the show, the seven-and-a-half, eight doesn't scare me in any way because it's like it's every week now. And if Adam Gaze is calling the plays, it's like, what am I worried about here? And – I'm looking at this game. I love it as a teaser game just to bring it down to one and a half if I wanted to. But is there any reason to think the Raiders aren't going to cover this outright? No. No, let's talk about the next guy. I mean, the Jets suck. Like, you know, I, I'm a Jets fan. And I've been saying this for the longest time. I was arguing with people who thought they knew a lot about football before the season. Like, this is not unexpected. The Jets are bad. They have bad coaching. 
They have bad players. They have a bad scheme. The fucking ownership is bad. The colors are starting to piss me off at this point. Like, there is no, there is nothing about the Jets <laughs> that you should be happy about right now. They are the worst team in my power rankings. They have been the worst team in my power rankings for almost two months right now. Um, at the beginning of the year, I didn't have them as the worst team in my power rankings, but they quickly made it there and have stayed there throughout the season. You with, doubted them. With literally no improvement. Like, Steve, like every other team here, like, you know, they at least have a good game here or there. I run the numbers. The numbers change a little bit. Like, you know, they win a game, it's positive. Like, I, maybe that's it because the Jets haven't won any games. So it's like, it, it's honestly, I was talking about a, a friend of mine who is basically a statistician by trade, right? We were, we were talking about, like, where do you put the Jets? Like, how do you rank the Jets? Like, where, where it is in his power rankings this year and all that stuff. And he said, you know, you always have a lot of trouble with, with the tails, right? Like, if you think about, like, a distribution curve, like, most of it's in the middle, but the tails are always tough because you don't know exactly where on that tail certain teams are. That happens with the best teams in the league, and it happens with the worst teams in the league. The, the Chiefs are another one. It's very tough to gauge how much better than average the Chiefs are because they're never really pushed all that often to, to find out where their ceiling is, you know? The Jets are the complete opposite. They're so bad that you can't even find the floor because no matter how bad, how low you think the floor is, it, it's always low. Like the next game, it's always lower. So at this point, like I have the Jets 10 points worse than league average in my power rankings. I have the Las Vegas Raiders dropping after last week to right around league average in my power rankings. I think this number should be 10. So I have no problem with seven and a half. Take seven and a half. Like lay seven and a half all fucking day. If you want to get the one where you can get like the, the extra money on it, if they offer alternate lines and you can take nine and a half or 10, take nine and a half or 10. You want to take 20 on this? I'm not even going to argue with you. Like <laughs> there's a case to be made to throw a little bit on like 15 or, or 20 at like, you know, plus 200 or something like that. Like it's the Jets are that bad. You mentioned that they can't score. They can't stop anybody. If you can't do those two things, those are the two fund fundamental things you need to do to win football games. You got to be able to score. You got to be able to stop the other team from scoring. If you can't do either one of those things, there is literally no bottom. Like, I don't know where the floor is. I don't. The Jets right now is easier to talk about in terms of historically bad teams than they are to talk about compared to other actual football teams in the yeah. NFL. It's that bad. Mm -hmm. It's that bad. So oh, just keep betting against them. Just keep well, going. And here's the thing that got me uh, through me for a curveball is because their offense looked better the last two games with Flacco. They covered those games, and you're thinking in your head, maybe this is going to be something that they do. You're going to give them that number, and they'll be able to keep it within a touchdown now. But with Ace, uh, Gase calling the plays again, I mean, you want to talk about 20. I took them to cover 20 and a half mid-game. I brought it up. Uh, the last time they played the Dolphins got shut out. I just knew under two that – Two games against the Dolphins, 44 to three, final score. 120 minutes of football, 44 to three. Insane. Insane. It, it baffles me. And surprisingly, this still isn't the largest spread on the card. And we talked about it before we got on the show. There are a lot of heavy spreads on this, uh, on this week 13 slate. Mm -hmm. um, not many fav favorable, as we talked about. We don't really like betting anything over the 10, and there are a few there, but. Let's move to one that's definitely lower than what we just talked about. It's a 1 p.m. game, and it's a game that is a bit of a head-scratcher for me. It seems like you have some clarity on it. You have the New Orleans Saints, who, led by Taysom Hill, have now won two games in a row. Last week, I wouldn't even count that as a win because they played the Denver Broncos, who had a JV football team out there. Mm -hmm. And you have the Atlanta Falcons, who remain at home after upsetting the Las Vegas Raiders, they are at the same line. They were three-point dogs last week. They are three-point dogs again 
minus 105 on that line at bet online and it is a 46 point over under i don't know where to gauge the saints still now i keep saying this week in week out and i feel the same for the falcons because the falcons are a team i can't figure out either uh just when you think they're out they just come back in and just when you begin to trust the saints i feel like they're going to do it again but a part of me feels like this is a saints backup team like with Taysom Hill, that it was last year with Teddy. I don't think they're going to lose a game without Drew. I think it's just become that, that even without Drew Brees, this team almost plays better. Where are you gauging this game, and uh, what side are you leaning on? Yeah, so everything you say I agree with, right? But we look at it in, in a different light. Like I look at it as the fact that nobody can figure out what the numbers should be with the Saints here is exactly why I want to keep going on them because I have a strong opinion of what the number should be here with the Saints. I don't make much of an adjustment to the Saints with Taysom Hill as their quarterback than with Drew Brees. At least, let me say it this way, at least not on the spread side of it. On the total side of it, I definitely do because they're playing very differently right now. Um, they're basically controlling the ball on offense a lot more. The defense is coming out and kind of doing their thing a little bit. I mean, you look at the two games that they played with Taysom Hill under center. <coughs> Excuse me. The first one was against Atlanta. They won 24-9. to The second one was the last game. Now, again, Denver, you didn't really learn anything in that game. They were playing their fifth-string wide receiver at quarterback and all that stuff. But it was still 31-3. to You still managed to completely shut down an NFL offense with NFL players. You know, like, again, might not be the best offense out there. They definitely didn't have a quarterback who was somebody up there. But – it's still an NFL. There's still a lot of NFL players on that team, and they kept them out of the end zone and basically only gave up a field goal to them the entire game. This defense from New Orleans is legit. And here's the other thing that I don't think people are realizing. We're not talking about prime 31-year-old Drew Brees who can go out there and win games by himself with no defense and put up 50 points. That's not who Drew Brees is anymore. So, yes, Taysom Hill is probably a downgrade from Drew Brees. But if anything, it's more of like – a change in philosophy now. So you got to think, like you said, the total is what, like 45, 46? I, I've seen it bouncing around all week. I don't know what you got. What you yeah, got 46. On. All right, so 46. Like, that's obviously a lower number than you would expect on a New Orleans team with Drew Brees as the quarterback there. But even though they have Taysom Hill there, what I've been saying to people is they're playing different, but they're not playing any less efficient. They're not playing any worse. Like, if anything, it's just – we found a new way to win, which is a lot like if you remember the Pittsburgh Steelers last year did the same thing when Ben went down. You know, when Roethlisberger went down, they said, all right, we're not going to win by putting up 40 points like we had been doing for years and years in the Antonio Brown and the Le'Veon Bell days. We're going to be a very good football team on the defensive side, and we're going to do enough on the offensive side without making mistakes that we're going to keep ourselves in games and give ourselves a chance to win games. Yep. That's basically what New Orleans is doing right now. They're a different kind of football team, but I don't think they're a lesser football team. So I still have them pretty high in my power rankings. I had them high last week. Remember we talked about I had them at eight and a half, and the number was like five and a half, six. Yep. It started moving towards me six, six and a half before all the hell broke loose. Jumped to 15 and a half, yeah, which exactly. still covered. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I mean, like, either way, though, like, I don't – I think the Saints are a lot better than other people do. So I'm still willing to ride them. When I saw this number, I was expecting it to be closer to six and a half or seven. When I saw it three and a half, I took it. 
it's actually down to three in, in a lot of places that I've been looking. Is that what you guys have it at, three? Yep, three, three and it's minus 15 in favor of the Saints at that minus three line. And, Benny, real quick to jump in. Well, it's funny because I gave all that buildup and wanted to make sure I didn't say what I wanted to say. But two games ago, Taysom Hill took over against the Atlanta Falcons. And they, yep. we've actually seen this game play out. These two teams, divisional foes, are about to play for the second time in three weeks. If you're wondering what Taysom Hill did in that game, that was his explosive people started him, started him at tight end game where he had 233 passing yards and 18 of 23 attempts, eight carries, 49 yards, and two, two rushing touchdowns. Both of those were put away, you know, put away the game rushing touchdowns. And, and he actually threw for two touchdowns that both got called back. One was like a 50-yard bomb pass, yep. too. So those numbers could have been even better than they were. That's what I'm saying. Like, to me, I looked at that game. I looked at the matchup here. I looked at the number, and it's just like something's not computing. I know – Atlanta just rolled Las Vegas last week, and that was awesome. But to me, this is like a way overreaction from that score last week. I agree. And, you know, you talked about the defense. Matt Ryan picked off twice in that game, and they held him without scoring a touchdown. Final score was 24-9. That's any indication, too, on why this over-under in this matchup is that low. It's for that reason. You said a Drew Brees, Saints-Falcons game, you'd expect a high total. After you just saw 33 points put up, you know, you're going to be a little hesitant about these two teams. Despite, again, both these teams, I believe, put up 30 points last week. Still, I don't expect that game either. So I'm definitely rolling with the Saints just because I can't bet on the Falcons anymore and lose money. Although I did tell myself last week I would stay away from Falcons games entirely, which would probably save me the most money. But we'll continue for the sake of the show. I'll take the minus three on the Saints. We have the Raiders. We have the Saints. Let's move forward to the Cleveland Browns. Five and a half point dogs on the road against the Tennessee Titans. Now, Benny, the Titans-Colts game was a game we split last week, and I stuck with what I told you the last time they played on Thursday. I said, I think Derrick Henry can figure this defense out. Didn't do it the first time, but by God, did he do it this last time. Um, I think this might be the start of this season where Derrick Henry just wins you your fantasy league and starts going off for 50-point games. It very easily could be he seems that inspired by it. Some people are throwing his name in MVP considerations, which I'm sure will just motivate him more. But these Titans are looking at a top spot in the AFC playoff picture right now. And the Browns right now are towards the bottom of that. This is, could be an early AFC playoff game. Um, where do you lean on this uh, without giving too much hype to either side? Give me the numbers take on this. All right, so the numbers take on this game uh, was Tennessee – minus just shy of two, and then you add in home field advantage, like three to three and a half. Mm. That's just the strictly the numbers take on this, right? Yeah. It opened that four and a half. Four, four and a half was the number at the beginning of the week. And I was like, you know what? It's not enough to push me on Cleveland one point above my number, but it also gives me pause on taking Tennessee. If the number would have came back towards Tennessee, I would have hopped on. I would have hopped on at three and a half. If I got the three, I would have been definitely interested. I can't play this number at five and a half. If anything, it's getting close to where I would be on the Cleveland side of it. But I really don't want that. And I don't think Cleveland wins. Like, I wouldn't play Cleveland money line for a plus whatever that it is out there. But if you look at the way Cleveland plays and you look at the way that, you know, a lot of their games have gone, like Cleveland's the kind of team that loses games by four points. So if you have to lay five or six to get it, like – I want to lay five or six against like Cincinnati or, or the, or the jets or like Jacksonville. I don't want to lay six against a team that 
you know, I mean, if Cleveland gets a lead early, what are they going to do? They're just going to pound the run. They're going to slow it down. The game's going to finish like, you know, 24-20 or something like that. Like, I just – it's not enough points for me to go. It, I definitely don't want to be on the Cleveland side, but it's too many points to even consider taking Tennessee, in my opinion. So, as you're talking about that, and, and real quick, Cleveland, 8-3. and three, Two 8-3 and three teams, Cleveland on a winning streak, a three-game winning streak. But I think what people worry about with Cleveland, like you said – they don't know good or bad team. They don't know how to beat anyone more than those given amount of points. Last five games, Bengals decided by three. They lost to the Raiders by 10, Texans three, Eagles five, Jaguars last week by two. So really can't put anyone away. And to your point about Cleveland liking to run, Tennessee wanting to run. Now, what worries me is their defenses are bad enough, especially against the run. Maybe they run rampant and score some points. But the over-under total, didn't mention it before you started speaking, 54. That's high. And I think what I learned last week with, with a lot of those 50s out there, and we've talked about this, these numbers are getting higher and higher and higher. 54 in a competitive game, it's a little high for me. Now, I, I think the big thing, and I'm going to take the under here, I think the big thing to worry about here is just if Henry starts to gash him for like 70-yard runs and whatnot, I mean, you know? Seen, yeah, we've seen Tennessee have those games where they put up 40 by themselves. That's, mm-hmm. that's the big thing that concerns me mm-hmm. is that, you know, if this is one of those games where they come out and have some success running early and then Cleveland has to make the adjustments and put that seventh or eighth guy in the box and then they go to the play action. And, I mean, A.J. Brown is a grown-ass man, bro. That, touchdown, man. He had last, that touchdown he had last week, like – I, how, how the hell did that many teams let this guy fall that far in a draft? Like that's, well, that was He was like, motivated because, and I told you a big factor with me was that first game is completely different if he doesn't drop that initial touchdown. Gigantic touchdown he dropped, made up for that end some. He scored an onside kick. <laughs> he scored an onside kick. And by the way, we yeah. talked about this already. Well, yeah, I mean, that, the one at the end. that's fluky. I get it. But, you know, we talked about about three, four weeks ago, DK Metcalf and AJ Brown being the next big things in the league. And I mean, you talk about it actually coming to fruition. And I said it at the time, I think AJ Brown is like a little Julio-esque and I didn't compare DK to anyone. I just love to mention this because I don't have the Seahawks anywhere on my sheet to talk about them. But did you see Jim Schwartz said he ain't Megatron yet? DK is his own person. I already said this when I talked to you. Do not compare DK Metcalf to anyone because it's too late for that. That guy's an own brand of human being. He is crazy good right now. So, so basically, Jim, Jim Schwartz thought it was an insult to say, hey, you're not as good as the best receiver in the last 20 years. Like, okay, like, you know, <laughs> it's, like, it's like being like the second best basketball player being like, hey, you're not LeBron. It's like, all right, yeah, I'm not, but I'm better than everybody the fuck else. Like, you know, and, and honestly, I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. Like, I, dude, I love Calvin Johnson, so I, I get where he's coming from. Like, I don't think DK Metcalf is peak Calvin Johnson yet, no. but, the guy's, but the guy's got a chance to be. And here's the other thing I want to talk about, bro, because we started this conversation on A.J. Brown, and A.J. Brown needs to get some due here as well. This man can run you over. He can run by you. He can – like, there's literally no flaw in his game. You mentioned, like, these are, the, these are the guys that are, like, the future. These are the guys that are the future of the wide receiver position in the NFL where, you know, if, if you want to play press coverage on them, they're just going to toast you. If you want to lay back and just try to hit them after they catch the ball, they're just going to knock you over and then toast you and keep going. Like there's – these guys are freaks that, you know, you're not going to see come along all that often. And I don't think people realize how good both of them are for being how young both of them are. Insane, yeah. A.J. Brown, 23 years old. What I found most interesting, he's six foot tall. When I see him play out there, he plays much bigger. 
much mm. bigger than six foot 225. I mean, huge human being. And it's funny, I actually gave advice to someone this week who was in a situation they didn't really know if they should trust A.J. Brown. And I get it. He's kind of hot and cold. But he had a big week last week. And I had told him, especially around this time of year, you never get cute. You don't want to get cute this time of year, especially playoff time in fantasy. Start your guys. You'll live with it if A.J. doesn't do great. And he didn't start him. And, of course, this is what happened almost instantly. And it's like that is the best advice, I think, especially with this COVID craziness going on and you're going to add drop waiver wires. If you got to play a guy based on matchup and situation at this point of the season, that's fine. But don't get crazy and start sitting guys that got you there. You know, they got you to the dance. Right. You play your stars. You always play your stars. If you're, if you're talking about a flex position or a wide receiver three spot where there's some guy that you're like, all right, maybe I don't play him over, I don't know, some random guy who hasn't been producing or had one or two big games. I get it. But if you drafted AJ Brown, you probably draft him in the first eight to 10 rounds of your draft. He's a starter and that's where you should be using. Yeah. Unless he's hurt. Unless he's hurt or unless he gets COVID. I mean, yeah. If he's got COVID, all these guys in the first seven, eight rounds, you're drafting him to play them. You didn't draft him to sit him on the bench and decide whether you're going to take Rashad Perryman, who you picked up off the waiver wires, or, you know, am I going to play Kiki Kuti versus AJ Brown? Like, oh my God. Great. You won the Kiki Kuti bid. Cool. You're still playing AJ Brown. Like, it's not If you have to play Kiki Kuti in a league, you just, what you have to do, you just write to the group chat and just say, good season, fellas. (laughs) It was fun. I had a good time. I mean, there, yeah, there are, there are, especially like once we get down to this part of the year, there's a couple buys this week. There's a couple COVID things already. We don't know if there's any more that's going to pop up. We're, I mean, again, it's midweek right now. We didn't know anything about Pittsburgh, Baltimore midweek. And then all of a sudden, it, the entire thing fell apart in like a 24 hour period. From, we did the, the podcast last week until, the, you know, the Wednesday, Wednesday night and Thursday morning when everything fell apart. But, like, that's, that's the way that this season is. But, again, if you have one of these guys who's a, you know, legit top 25 wide receiver in the NFL, like, you know, these are not the guys you should be sitting for your Hunter Renfros or your, you know, Cole Beasley's who you picked up or whoever, whoever you know, Kiki Kuti, like whoever the random guy that you picked up is. If you need that guy in a flex or a wide receiver three because you don't have enough guys, like, I get it. But that shouldn't even be a question. Like, when people ask me those questions on Twitter, I don't even answer them. I'm like, dude, no, like, just – yeah. No. You know, so you got, give, me, give me a question that you should be asking, and I'll answer it. You give me that question, I'm not answering. Yeah. So second guess, uh, second guess yourself. I was also going to mention the fact that uh, every time I think we've mentioned, well, you know, I don't know how this game's going to turn out because of COVID. Not only does it get moved, but to a drastic extent. <laughs> it was the Bills game the first time, and now it was the Steelers game. We're like, yeah, you know, you never know what's going to happen with this. It's like, yeah, well, it's going to be played on a Wednesday afternoon. So. Let's continue. Hey, the good news is we get to watch football Wednesday afternoon tomorrow, so it's cool. It's a give and take for me. I'm more excited for next week where we're going to have a Monday, Tuesday, no Wednesday, than Thursday game. For me, this week is kind of annoying because we don't have a Thursday game, and it throws off the waiver wires. I think you're just making it way too complicated. There's a lot of shit going down. We got one week of fantasy left. Like, now is not the time for this. COVID, go somewhere else. Hopefully you want, not. You want to hear a funny story? Do you know why the game is actually being played at like three in the afternoon tomorrow? I think because of the, isn't it because of the tree lighting? Yeah, Rockefeller Center and the White House tree lightings are scheduled on TV afterwards, and they they were like, no, we can't move that shit. Do you so. think I haven't seen it? I know that picture was going around about the shitty looking Rockefeller tree. You think that's actually what they're going to show us? <laughs> you think they didn't I get a listen, tree like that was like you ever? Do you ever buy you buy real trees? Like you, your family yeah, buy no, real I trees? No, I get it. Like when we buy a real tree, like you don't. 
you can't put anything on it when you first take it home. Like they wrap it up and that's that netting and stuff and you bring home, you got to give it a day or two to kind of shake itself out. And I mean, you know, the way the Rockefeller center tree is too, like there are thousands of lights on it. You don't even see the tree. All you see is the blinding lights if you actually go see it and stuff. So they're not actually, I heard they're not even like letting people go see it, like, which is going to be kind of weird. You have to like, there's like a web page where you can go and look at it. I'm like, cause that's exactly what I want to do is go look at a fucking Christmas tree on a web page. Like there was nothing, you know, pre COVID, if you want to talk about living life, you can't see the Christmas tree. Now you couldn't even see the Christmas tree pre COVID. There used to be so many people there, regardless of the day of the week come Christmas time, you'd be lucky if you get anywhere close. Then you got to figure I, out um, picture. The, the best time to go see it, honestly, for anybody out there, once we're allowed back out in public and all, the best time to go see it was always like, like maybe a week after they opened it and like the middle of the week. Like I would go over to the city with my kid on like uh, my oldest on like a Wednesday night or something like that. You know, we go hit up like Dave and Buster's right outside of Port Authority over there and then like walk over, see the tree. And like, you know, you can get, you can get close enough to it where if you took a picture, it's in the background and all that stuff. You try to go on like a Saturday or you try to go the week right before Christmas, like forget about it. You're not getting anywhere near that place. My all time favorite thing is when people try to struggle to get to the front of where the bottom of the tree is thinking the picture will be better. It's like, no silly. The tree is thousands of feet tall. (laughs) You're not going to see any from the stump. New Yorkers, I love it. All right, let's continue. Actually, those are more tourists than New Yorkers. I was going to say, those are not actual New yeah, Yorkers. Yeah, no New Yorkers. They aren't the brightest New Yorkers out there either. But a true New Yorker wouldn't be by that damn tree to begin with. <laughs> They'd be trying to hustle. They'd be like, listen, if I'm going to Rockefeller Center, I'm definitely not doing it between like Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah, you plan accordingly. Let's move on to these 4 p.m. games. And this is a game you really liked and um, had told me pre-show, so I don't want to give any hot takes here. All I'll say is that on betonline.ag, this is a pick'em. Now, I don't know if you have this okay. in any other way, but it's a pick'em in favor, though. The New England side is minus 113 at the Chargers, is minus 107. Over-under is 47 points. Benny, talk us through this game. The Chargers seem to not beat anybody anymore, although I still really like Justin Herbert. And the Patriots like to play well every other week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the real rub here is whether or not what Patriots team you're going to get to show up. But I actually like the way they've been looking since, uh, since Cam Newton's been back and, and is good. I mean, they won three of their last four games right now. The Patriots are not a team that's going to go out there and blow anybody out, right? So I, I kind of agree with this game being around the pick or so. I actually – my numbers actually have New England minus one here. When this number opened, though, it opened with – Chargers, like, they were were minus two and a half in some places, which I was like, that is crazy. So um, a lot of other places, like reputable books, books that I know, like, actually make their own lines and not just take them from another book. Um, Most of them had it as, like, Chargers minus one, though, which, again, if you factor in home field advantage, they're basically saying the game is like a pick them and there. But I actually have New England favored by about three if this was a neutral field. The fact that it's at LA is what drops it down to like a point, a point and a half to me. I think I had them favored by like two and a half or whatever. So from the beginning of the week, I thought New England was the side. Um, Again, at the beginning of the week though, with New England being getting like plus two and a half in some spots and plus one in some other spots, you were getting them at like even money at worst case scenario. And the number I took was actually plus one Oh six is what I got them at early in the week. Minus one twelve is about where it should be. You know, like you should be getting less than minus 110 on New England here. So 
if you didn't bet New England already, I wouldn't be on either side of this game. For the show, how we always make a pick on every game, here's the reason why I'm picking New England, and here's the reason why I loved betting on them when I was getting plus 106. The Chargers don't beat anybody by a lot. New England doesn't win any game by a lot. So you know that this is going to come down to being like a one-possession game, right? And in a one-possession game, if you knew nothing else about what was going on, the players didn't even matter. You have Anthony Lynn, who in my opinion is one of the worst coaches in football, against Bill Belichick, who is the fucking GOAT and has been for years and years and years. In close games, coaching matters more because Anthony Lynn's going to do something stupid. We saw him do a whole bunch of stupid stuff last week. He's going to go for two at the wrong time. He's going he's gonna to go for it on fourth and something in the wrong situation. He's going to open a door for New England to steal a victory that they shouldn't have. And that's exactly what I'm expecting to happen here. I'm expecting us all to be sitting around like we do every Sunday and being like, my God, Anthony Lynn is a moron. And also sitting around at the end of that game saying like, my God, Bill Belichick is a genius. This is why this guy wins 10 games every year, no matter who the freaking players on his team are. I love that you said that. Yeah. I mean, people don't factor that into the decision, but it's, it's important. You know, I mean, like it's one of the reasons I bet against the Jets every week. And we talked about it earlier. Adam Gase is that bad of a coach that not only are they less talented, but they're handicapped by their coach. If you put Adam Gase as the coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, I would be betting against the Chiefs, no matter how good that team is. We saw this in Houston. That Houston team, they have a lot of talent. They had horrible coaching at the beginning of the year and for like the four years prior to it. And, and that is why they lost way more games than they actually should have. Like, it's just, it's that simple. If you're giving me plus money on the Patriots, I'm going to take it. Right now at minus 110, though, I think that's where the number should be. So I wouldn't bet on it now. But for the sake of the show, there, there's no way that Anthony Lynn's not going to fuck this game up with better talent that should win this game. Bill Belichick's going to get a W here somehow, some way. Yeah, it's insane to me. I mean, we I was all over the over last week. I love that over in the Chargers-Bills game, and it probably would have actually gone there even through a back door, like pushing it. They converted a Hail Mary twice and still didn't score a touchdown. At the end of that game. Yeah, you got to try to do that. And we'll get to this next game. We're going to talk about the Eagles too. But there are certain coaches and the going for two. That whole thing this year is blowing my mind. And they're throwing the analytics in there. And their analytics tell you it's just ridiculous. I think anyone who's a fan of football is looking at this shit. And it's just like, why is this going on? What is the plan? And most of the time, the play calling is terrible for it. So I think the analytics would tell you if you have a shitty call, don't just kick the one. <laughs> so, so real quick, I, real quick, I want to get into this because I actually when I, I read the original article about two years ago about why everybody was was doing this and what it's all about, and I think the problem is that most people have no idea what analytics are and how they're actually used, including a bunch of coaches in the NFL because some of them are just doing stupid shit that makes no sense. So, like, if you're, on your, if you're on your opponent's 40, right, so you're 40 yards away, it'd be like a 57-yard field goal. If you punt, that's probably going in the end zone anyway because those go in the end zone, I think it's something like 60-something percent of the time, you know, a punt from inside your own 50 ends up in the end zone. So you're basically looking at a 20-yard switch of field, right, which is two first downs. That's when you go for it. That, that makes sense to go for it. When you're all the way backed up on your own 30, though, that is not when you go for it on fourth down. That makes zero sense. Now, the other thing with the two-point conversions, here's the deal. On fourth and one or on, on any short, I think on fourth and one or fourth and two, whatever the number is, 
just by running the football, your percentage of picking up um, the first down is a little bit over 50%. It's like, and it's not a lot over 50%, but it's over. So you're likely to pick up the first down more often than you're not. It's basically the idea behind the numbers. And it's the same thing with the two-point conversions. Two-point conversions are like 55% successful on average, right? So if you're down 14 points, the thought process is you score six, now you're down eight. Instead of kicking a field goal to go to seven, you go for two because you're more likely not to get it. If you do get it, now it's a six-point game. If you happen to score next again, well, now all you got to do is kick the extra point and you win the game. If the other team goes down and, you know, gets a, you know, gets a field goal or whatever, the game's over one way or another. It just gives you the option to not only tie but also win the game. Because if you don't get it the first time, again, if it's 55% likely you get it, there's a good – there's a above-average chance you're going to get it the second time. And then you still wind up tied if you don't get it the first time. So if you get it the first time after the first touchdown, you give yourself a chance to actually win the game by kicking the extra point. And if you don't get it the first time, you still have the chance to get it the second time. And at 55%, you're supposed to get it one out of two times anyway. That's so the idea. My issue is the worst displays of those things happened this week in the NFC East in terms of the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, if a good team and a qualified team wanted to do those things, then I think the numbers make sense, especially if you're down. But if you're those teams who are going to lose anyways and also put a terrible play call to it, why the hell are you doing it? Even the, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, I just don't get it. I, I think the wrong coaches are getting into analytics. Whereas like I'm a Giants fan and I don't think we use any analytics at all. We got, we got head coaches who have no business even calling a decent game. And they're trying to use analytics to help them. What just lose games and fuck people over from. Well, see, the problem is they're not actually using the analytics. Like they, they want to <laughs> say that they are, but they don't understand them. So they're not using them. Right. Like if you just say, Oh, well I went and we did a Get it? Fuck analytics. It's like, no. Analytics did not tell you to run an end around on fourth and two inside your opponent's well, they 50. Went like, for it. They went for it twice. They went for it twice inside their 50. And, and that's them saying, that's Mike McCarthy's dumb math. He said, well, they told me it was 50%. They told me it was over 50%. I tried it twice. He's not, he's not wrong there. Um, I try it tra- twice. I should get it once. It makes a lot of sense to me. Like even a, even a fake punt. <laughs> like if you're gonna if you're gonna fake punt at your own fifty, I get it. Like you know, even if you mess it up, it's not like you're giving away a field goal. You might be giving away some field position, but like that's a time when you would run a fake punt. Like you don't fake punt like back down on like fourth and like fourteen or something like that. Like it was down it wasn't 20. like fourth and. It was like fourth and two where you need to throw like a little three-yard out pass and then you can pick it up or like somebody could run and pick up the two or three yards. It was like fourth and 14. Like, dude, what the fuck were you thinking? Like, I, I don't get it, man. I, I, bet, I bet Washington. I had zero say. I did not care at all. I'm like, good, you're helping us out. But my God, that was awful to watch. I, some really weird calls. Let's move on to the Eagles because uh, infamously cost a lot of people some TVs and some serious chunk of change last night as they packed or covered a eight and a half spread it didn't open there actually uh benny was six and a half sorry not eight and a half um it was an eight point game six and a half but benny we actually got the win on that game because the early line told us it was at five which covered that six which is beautiful that's why we tell the people that's textbook example why you bet these when we tell you early on so a loser for you is a winner for us that guy who bet 500k listen to believe in new york podcast come on that's it philadelphia hits the road benny Nine-point dogs against the Green Bay Packers, who put on a clinic. Another one for us on the show. I lost all faith in the Bears. They were our team earlier this season. Lost all faith. We'll get to them in a little bit. But the Packers, 
Nine-point favorites. This is a hefty line. I feel like every team in the NFC East is going to be favored or are underdogs by at least nine points this week for whatever reason. Um, you may tell me why. But my thinking is, well, this is solid because I get it under the 10. I'm just looking at this simple down. So I, I like the Packers at the 10. Now I, I think the only thing that scares me away here, I initially want to jump and be happy about it, maybe bring it down to three and a teaser to play it safe. Packers mm-hmm. being home, I just think the PTSD of last night is what's keeping me up about this game. I, I think it's a no-brainer the Packers win this game. I can't get my head around this number. I like that it's under 10, but I think after seeing what happened last night, people should tread lightly sometimes when it comes to these games. Yeah, I mean, totally think the Packers win. I love the idea of teasing it down. I, I teased it down. It was nine at the beginning of the week. I teased it down to three already, so I'm sitting on sitting right. on that field goal number right there, feeling pretty good about at the very least pushing if, uh, if not winning that bet. I mean, I, again, I think Green Bay is more than a touchdown better than the Eagles. I think my number is actually eight and a half or nine, so I'm a little below what, what they have over there. But at the same point in time, this is why I don't like numbers that are at 10 because if they're up 14 at the end of the game and they give up a late touchdown or something, you lose. Like, that's mm-hmm. – really, that's the thing that worries me. That's why I like teasing these games down because – you know, again, a team has no motivation to win by 14 instead of winning by seven. Like, they don't. They, there's just none there. So if you can get it down to, like, under under a touchdown or even under a field goal, teams have motivation to be up two scores in games so that they could give up one and it not affect the final score. So I like when I can get numbers down. So when I have situations like this, do I think the Packers win? Yes. Do I think the Packers win easy? Yes. Do I want to lay nine points, though? No, not really. So, to me, just tease it down to three and move on to the next game. That's the way I go. Yeah, so the over-under is at 47. I actually feel like I was in the same spot last week with the Packers against the Bears. I'm like, this is a lot of points. I don't love it. The Packers being at home, though, it was hard for me to deny it. And I think I was ultimately betting against the shitty offensive play of the Bears, which we saw. That's what you saw with the Eagles last night. I mean, Wentz looks really bad still. And I think – if there's one thing that stands out to me, it took literally the most extra comeback effort I've ever seen in my life. Boston Scott was taking dump passes, 30 yards, a change. And it still took an, a Hail Mary and a two-point conversion to cover that line. So, I, you know, you'll see it in the NFL throughout the season. Before, now, this week, you're going to see it. Six-point loss against Seattle sounds a lot better. Saves the coaches, you know, ass a little bit from the fire. I only lost to Seattle, playoff team, top two team. Oh, by six points. But in reality, I mean, they were down probably like 20 and that game wasn't even close. Russell didn't even have to throw more than one touchdown pass. So I don't know. I love the Packers. I kind of love them too much, which is why I think I want to tease this down. But I also sit where you sit in the terms of there's no way the Packers lose this game. So I think they're more likely to win this game by nine than they are to not win this game by nine. So if I'm picking a number, like if we're if we're doing a pool right now and I have to take the I have to take a side with that number, I'm taking the Packers side of it all. Um, other thing, too, just to show you how stupid the Eagles are, Alshon Jeffrey played the same amount of snaps as uh, Flugum did yesterday. Um, so there you go. That's why the Eagles lost, too. Because not only that, but uh, you're playing the worst player. You're playing Alshon Jeffrey when, you know, Flugum turned out to be, like, a find. You're playing, like, Miles Sanders all these snaps, and Boston Scott's the guy who's getting in there and tearing it up when he's in there. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, Travis Flugum is going to have a better career than Alshon Jeffrey or, you know, that Boston Scott's going to be better than Miles Sanders long-term. 
but right now you're not playing your best players. So you're losing without playing your best players. I'm glad you said that because it's every position, including the quarterback position. It blows my mind. You either play those guys. I get it. I get it, but don't I don't know if Hurts is better, but Wentz is not good. Wentz Wentz is not not good, and I get it. Everyone says, look, the awful offensive line, six sacks, can't stop that. Uh, I hear it all out, but then don't do the, the double dip. Just leave that shit somewhere else. They're not, like, utilizing him as a back. He threw a pass last night. So it makes no sense to me to throw a five-yard out and then take him out of the game for the rest of the game. What did that accomplish? What well, that- here's, I mean, here's my other thing. It's like there are other teams in the league that have bad offensive lines, right? So there are things you can do to help a bad offensive line. You can, you can chip with a tight end. The Eagles don't do that because Dallas Goddard runs routes all the damn time unless he's blocking for a run. You can chip with a running back, which the Eagles also don't do enough because they send their running backs out to run routes a lot of the times. You can change your offense a little bit to get more short, quick throws as opposed to, like, again, I know the knock on Carson Wentz is that he holds the ball a little too much, and I agree with that. But you're holding – like, they're trying to run all these tight end seam routes down the middle. Like, those take time to develop. Like, you need to, you need to run the play action to let the linebackers bite to be able to hit guys on those – if you're trying to get it over the linebackers, you need time for that tight end to get into that second level and get behind the linebackers. Like, if you don't have an offensive line, those are not play calls you should be making. Like, if your offensive line is crappy, run more of the quick screens or the quick outs or, like, you know, hit guys on slants more often. Run a lot more of the crossing stuff underneath. Like, there are things you can do that are just easier, faster, quicker throws that keep your quarterback from taking hits. It's, it's basically what I call like the New England Patriots principle. You know, like the Patriots, the people are like, oh, the Patriots always have a great line, and they do have a good line. But they also, when they had Brady, gave him throws that he can make in like two seconds so that he doesn't have to stand there and take an absolute beating. You know, Peyton Manning was one of the best at this. He was able to stay healthy throughout much of his career after the early years because he learned if I get rid of the football, then these guys don't have enough time to even hit me. And the less hits you take, the more upright you are, the more that's going to happen. You have to tailor your offense to the players you have and the way you can play. The Eagles just like it's, – it's square peg and round hole all day long, and it just doesn't work with what they well, have. Well, they're, they're delusional too. They still think because they have the same pieces that they won a Super Bowl with. They're doing what the Giants did forever. It's like, what's not working? We won a Super Bowl with this. Well, I think the biggest X factor is that the fact that Nick Bowles is not there, and he won the Super Bowl for them, and Carson Wentz did not. But we'll continue to move on because – I'm a firm believer that the Eagles are just going to slowly self-destruct, and I don't care because they don't want to listen to my advice. Anyways, let's move forward. Sunday at 8 p.m., we have the hopeless and helpless COVID-rated Denver Broncos, 14-point dogs on the road against the Kansas City Chiefs. Why anyone would put this game on prime time is beyond me, nor do I understand why I'm going to sit there and suffer through it, but I do have to bet this game because it's a prime time Sunday game. And this will be a game where when everyone picks the Chiefs, I will refuse to pick the Broncos and listen to my own advice. The over-under is at 51. Benny, we don't like betting anything over 10, but what are we doing here? We don't know the quarterback situation. We think the quarterbacks are going to be ready. We're going to simply speculate at this point on what the Broncos roster will look like. But what do you think? I mean, honestly, if any of the quarterbacks play 13 and a half is probably too big a number. Like if you, if, if you took out the last two weeks of the world happening and this was a week 11 game, it'd probably be seven and a half or eight. Right. So there's value there if the quarterbacks are able to play. There's also a chance, though, that the quarterbacks aren't going to be able to play. 
So if the quarterbacks don't play, 13 is too low a number. I mean, the Saints just covered 28, right? Like the Saints just – and, again, we talked about it. They took their foot off the gas, too. Like if they really wanted to, they could have ran that score up. There was no reason for them to do it. They didn't bother doing it. But, you know, Kansas City's that offense, too, that – I mean, they can score from anywhere on the field on any play. Like McCall Hardman, you know, Tyreek Hill can get behind the defense and go 70 yards on any play. So, like, really to me – I don't know, like, if I had to bet this game, gun to my head, my life on the line, I'm taking Kansas City. But, you know, the math, the mathematician in me says that if those quarterbacks are playing, like, again, I don't think any of those quarterbacks are very good. I don't have Drew Locke much of an upgrade over Driscoll or I don't even know who the other freaking quarterbacks they have right now. Are I think Blake Bortles would be the only other one. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, or, or even Bortles, like – I don't think any of them are that good, but I think they're all better. They're all at least good enough to keep that offense kind of slowly moving the ball around and hoping that the defense can slow people down. I think that they're all at least good enough to keep this game under 10. Without those guys, if we're back to uh, – what the hell's his name? Hinton, the guy that the, – what's it, Kendall Hinton? I, I just think Royce Freeman should just take snaps and run Wildcat all game. I would rather – I would honestly rather see that and run Wildcat or run like read The Bears do it every week. They have yeah. Cordero Patterson back there. What's the difference? I, I would rather see that because, I mean, honestly, like, it, was, it wasn't even close last week. Like, it was 31-3, to three and it wasn't even close. Like, I actually – I tried to middle that game a little bit. I bought back <laughs> half my bet on New Orleans at the minus 15 number. I mean, honestly, I never even had a chance. Like, I should have just left it as it was. So, if it's the same as it was last week – Kansas City wins this game by three or four touchdowns going away. Yeah, easily. And let's talk about KC real quick. If you were wondering, we were 6-3-1. and one. That push came on the KC game. We got it early. Our line was three. We did not get the hook. Bucks ended up covering that three and a half, so that was a push for us. But that game also was not close. And I guess at the end of it, maybe the Bucks could have made things interesting. But Brady is brain dead and stinks right now. He's in vacation mode, and I don't blame him. He's going to see the Giants in the first round of the playoffs and lose, and that's going to be great and dandy. But with that said, the Chiefs, Tyreek Hill, you want to talk about taking a top off of defense, had 200 yards, like three receptions, I think a quarter and a half. Everyone wants to classify it as the first half. No, 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 no. Take some time off that. He did it in like 10 minutes. (laughs) He was on the field for like a total of three minutes, and he's put up 200 yards receiving. The Jets as a team had 197 passing yards in their entire game. Tyreek Hill had 204 with four minutes left in the first quarter. Just insane. Insane. I have a team with Henry and Hill, and I won that league. So – Oh. I would say so. He had like 50 fantasy points last week. So if you had Tyreek Hill. Awesome. You'd appreciate this. I don't know if you're in IDP leagues, but I started Jeremy Chin this week. 31 defensive fantasy points. Insane. He had two wow. defensive touchdowns for the Panthers. Love that. On Fuck. back-to-back plays, too. On back-to-back yes. plays. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely insane. And that was it. I mean, and and somehow they still defense. lost that game. <laughs> yeah. the, the Panthers, I don't. Because well, they could have won, and Sly completely shanked the field goal. I had the Panthers too. Um, they were my underdog. I really felt good about, it, especially in a Teddy revenge game. But didn't work out. Let's get to our Monday doubleheader. Now there is going to be a game on Tuesday. There is no line for it yet, but that's going to be the Baltimore game we mentioned earlier. But a team that is playing tomorrow, tonight, Wednesday, or tomorrow afternoon, Wednesday afternoon, is the Pittsburgh Steelers. This line is out on BetOnline.ag. Pittsburgh remains home. They're nine-and-a-half-point favorites against the Washington football team. Mentioned before, the Giants, nine-point dogs as well. Eagles at nine. Washington, 
nine and a half. It seems like that's the norm. Um, where are your thoughts at with this game? I don't know if you have the numbers for this because the Steelers haven't played, uh, played yet. Over-under is at 44. But just talking semantics here, we don't have to talk about the Steelers twice on this show. But are you buying the juice on Washington right now? They are technically tied for first. Giants claim first place. We have the tiebreaker. But they're fighting for a uh, first-place spot in the NFC East. Do you think the Washington football team has enough juice to cover nine and a half? Nope. I have. <laughs> I'll elaborate for you. I'm not just going to leave it there, but uh, no, I don't think they have enough juice to cover this number. I actually have this number at 12 and a half, but I understand why it is where it is right now. Because honestly, at this point, like Washington's going to be coming off of like a 10 day bye because they played on Thanksgiving, so they have they're going to have like super extra rest, which you got to give them a little bump for that. Assuming that this game play, and again, this may or may not happen, even though we're getting closer and closer to it. Assuming Pittsburgh plays tomorrow and then plays again next Tuesday, they're going to have basically one less day of rest than they normally do, right? Because normally you get seven days between Sunday to Sunday. Um, So this is going to be like playing on a Monday night football game, which, again, you know, numbers have shown over the years is something that is probably worth like half a point to a point. So you have – Washington, who should be getting a point. Pittsburgh, who should be losing a point. So I get why my number around like 11 or 12 is getting knocked down to like 10 or even below 10 in some spots right here. I like that, though. I want, I want the Pittsburgh Steelers below 10 if I can get it. The one thing I will say, though, is I will not bet on this game until after the Ravens game is over because I don't want to take any chances that something happens during that Ravens game. I also am very scared of betting on this game because they're playing the Ravens and you know that there's somebody on that team that doesn't have symptoms but is COVID positive you know you're about somebody on the Steelers getting it so you know what if it's uh you know they're again what if it's their quarterback and they were in a a room with the other quarterbacks without masks on and now all three of their quarterbacks have to quarantine like it's just the reality of the NFL right now is like looking ahead Seven days for games for bets is tough. Looking ahead, 10 games with another team having to play another game before that with the team that they're playing, basically COVID riddled. Like, there are just way too many variables that I have no idea how to factor into my analysis. The only thing I really love in this game is the under. It's at 44. Uh, I like the Redskins' defense. I like Washington's defense. And I like the Steelers as well. So, 44 just seems like a lot. I think they cover that against the Giants week one. I just, I don't know. With the spread at 10, I could see like a 31-7 game, and that'll be it, and the under will be good. So early on, I'll take the under here just to have something. But I will say they should cover that 10, no problem. But it does worry me that the Steelers are going to be all butthurt and maybe full of COVID at this point. It really only takes one, and it depends who it is. So, yeah, I wouldn't jump on that number anytime soon, but I do like that under because I don't think that'll change regardless of who's out. If the quarterback goes out, and only benefit that. We got one more game on the slate here, and this is the second part of our Monday doubleheader. And I love this because I was saving this take for a little bit, but you always tell us about how on a neutral field, this line would be like this. Well, Benny, this is probably on a neutral field. I I think it would be considered a neutral field. Um, The San Francisco 49ers are hosting or or co-hosting the Buffalo Bills, two-and-a-half-point underdogs at home in Arizona against the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo coming off a win against the Chargers. Pretty commanding. Josh Allen didn't have a great game by any 
stretch of the term. But the number is under three right now, Benny. I love betting the Bills. I'm going to take the two and a half and take them to cover it outright. Over-under is at 48. I love that it's under that three right now. Um, what are your thoughts on this game? Any early indications? And is that line where it's supposed to be on the neutral field? Yeah, it pretty much is. I mean, I have the number at two. So it's, it's two and a half, you said? Yeah, I have Buffalo. I have Buffalo minus two is the number that I have here. So I'm pretty much right in line with it. I don't, I don't have a lean on that game either way. It's tough, man, because San Francisco, San Francisco is not the San Francisco of last year because they have so many injuries, but they still have a lot of really good players. They still have a really good scheme. They still have a really good coach. Buffalo has better personnel, in my opinion, but I don't think they're as consistent, and I don't think their coaching is as good, but their defense has looked really good lately. So I didn't bet this game. I'm not going to be betting this game. But if you're asking me to take a pick, if we're doing a pool or something, or if people out there have a gun to their head and they need to win this bet, the Buffalo side is the side I want to be on. So I'll take Buffalo and lay the two and a half. I will say this, though, about the 49ers. One bright spot, and you saw with them upsetting the Rams this week, was their defense. And despite them still being without some key parts of that defense, their defensive coordinator is a brick shit house. Rob, uh, Robert Sala. Oh my God. He, he, from last year, I mean, I mean, you saw how energetic he was on the sidelines with that defense and what he was able to get out of them. I mean, he is getting the most out of this defense right now. And with a guy like Josh Allen and the amount of times he turned the ball over at home against the chargers, it is a little concerning to jump on this early, but again, I just think the bills are the better team and should win this at least by a field goal, especially with the 49ers kind of being out of whack and having to travel somewhere for a home game. Well, Benny, that's where we're at. That's all the games so far that we have without getting too far ahead of ourselves, and that includes the Steelers twice. <laughs> we actually picked them to win twice in a week, which is, which is something within itself. <laughs> I mean, they're undefeated, so it's not like, it's not like we're going down. <laughs> I think that's what the NFL is looking at. It's like, dude, you're not going to lose anyways. Relax. You get one, more, one less day of rest. But let's go over it one more time real quick. I want to tease the Steelers game down, but for the sake of the show, I'll take them the minus 10. We got the Saints minus three on the road. I'm teasing the Raiders down to one and a half, but I also like them to cover seven and a half for the show. Titans at home to cover the five and a half. Don't love it. If this could somehow go up to six, I'll probably bring this down to a pick but I know what you're going to say. Don't do that. Just stay away from the game. So I'm just speaking I mean, out loud. Bringing it down to a pick is not bad. As long as you're not crossing the zero, you're okay. Yeah, and I would right now. And honestly, even if, like, if you really have to, it's not the worst thing in the world. You're just giving up some of your value by doing it. Like, there, it's just – it's not – I tell people to avoid it. There is an argument to be made that it's not that big a deal if you're doing it, like, less than a point. But there is still some decay that, you know, happens when you do it. So you don't want to do it. Well, I do love the under in this as well at 54, but I could bite my words if they start running rampant everywhere with Chubb and uh, Derrick Henry. I could see that happening very easily, actually, because Chubb seems like he's on another planet right now. And Hunt's been quiet. I feel like he's due for a touchdown this week. We got Patriots pick them, although it smells like a Chargers win this week, just because Anthony Lynn just wants to fuck with everyone with them being home. Uh, Packers minus nine. Give me all of that. The Chiefs minus 14, although – We'll toss that up in the show. If the quarterbacks play and the 14 drastically changes, we'll see. I'll give some bonus points out if we still cover. Then we got the Steelers again, minus nine and a half. I love the under 44, regardless of what happens, even if Big Ben gets COVID. And then we got Bills minus two and a half. Big time teaser games is that first one. Tomorrow, we have Pitt, bring it down to minus four. Packers to minus three. Chiefs, I like to bring down to minus eight, although I think that might be a little bit extra because it doesn't get you to the seven, but 
I'm only saying that out loud because I think if you're worried about maybe a quarterback playing and you think they'll cover, you know, the 10 or whatnot, I think eight is just an easy way to kind of look at this game and not worry about it, even if the line drastically changes. But if they do play and the line goes down to the seven or the eight, like you told me about, then it kind of looks stupid because, you know what I mean? It'll probably go down there to begin with. So I would probably not do that initially. Like you said, don't bet this right away. Uh, Wait for those reports to come out. But if I'm getting it where I'm getting it and the quarterbacks aren't going to play, which I think is what that line says, I will, uh, I'll bring it down a little bit just to make myself sleep better at night. So I know you, I know you're not going to like this, but um, there are two home teams that I've been able to see around minus eight and a half this week. One is the Minnesota Vikings, who you can get down below three. The other is the Seattle Seahawks against the Giants, which I think you can get down below three. Wow. Um, those are the most profitable teaser legs, uh, the Stanford Wong teaser legs, when you could get a number from eight and a half and tease it through the seven and the three to get it down to two and a half or below right there. So those are two that I definitely think people should look at there. Um, again, doesn't mean they're locks. It just means that those are – those are two bets, and those numbers moving mean that they're more likely to happen than they are to not happen there. I like teasing down Miami to uh, – depending on what number you can get there. I think 11 a little high. I've seen some 10s out there where you can – So I'll them. run you through this real quick. So I left those out because I thought they were a little wonky. So now that Vikings game on bet online, minus uh, 110 here is this line. So it seems pretty locked in here and minus 9.5. So you'd only get that at 3.5, which isn't great for that teaser. Uh, the not like I, I like I said I was able to get it at eight and a half earlier in the week so I had nine and a half you missed the move already so. yeah I'm pretty sure and that's why I stood away from mentioning that game especially yeah. with the fact that I don't you know the Jags have, well, you have you know it's funny like you have a couple of them, the lines you've been talking about I don't know if it's lines that have moved on bet online I didn't look at them earlier in the week but um a couple of them are a little bit higher than the lines that I was able to get earlier in the week now again I do a lot of my betting on Sunday night Monday morning I lock in a lot of my bets so some of these numbers that I'm talking about are numbers that I wrote down when I was doing all my research there. I haven't, I honestly stopped caring about the number by like Wednesday or Thursday. Usually like this is the last time I talk about numbers is when I do, when I do the show with you, you know, starting tomorrow, I'm basically looking into like player props and, and DFS stuff like that. I kind of move on from, uh, you know, from the betting sides thing, unless something crazy happens because usually by then, the numbers moved in whatever direction they're going to move. And you very rarely get buyback without something crazy coming where it's like, you know, the number moved two points this way and then a whole point back the other way. Like you might get half a point here or there, but that's about it. Once a, once a move happens, it's more likely it's going to stay in that direction than it is that it's going to come back here. So I won't comment too much about the giant Seahawks game because I'm indifferent about it and I am definitely biased, but I will say something about that Dolphins game. So it has it at 11 and a half here. I think the true line would probably, probably be 11 if I'm looking at this right, because it's minus 114 at uh, minus 11 and a half in favor of the Dolphins. Either way, I, I kind of like this. Even if it goes to 12, if you get it in a six-point teaser, you bring it down under a touchdown. I mean, that's not terrible. I don't think that's terrible by any means, I think, to your point. You said you didn't like the 11, though. Yeah, the 11, the 11 was a little too high for me. Um, again, you, you're a Giants fan. What happened to them last week? They got backdoored. Like that's, they were up the entire game. Cincinnati looked like shit the entire game. Cincinnati had under 200 total yards of offense, you know, for the entire game. But they had a really nice drive at the end of the game to uh, bring it down to what well, the Giants went by, two or three points, something like that yeah, last week. Points. Yeah, so it dropped it below. And I said that to you, too, when we were talking about the numbers, like, I like the Giants here, man, but, like, yo, Giants favored by six. Like, they've only been favored one other time all year, and it was against the Redskins, I think, by, like, a point or two. Have not covered as favorites. It terrified me. 
And, yeah. and I was worried. I thought they were going to backdoor lose. No, I, I, like I figured, and this is the <laughs> thing that people need to understand is like, you know, you could dominate the game, which they pretty much did. I thought the Giants dominated that entire game. Like it, yeah. it, to me, it would, the, after they went up, like it was never in doubt. Like it wasn't like, oh man, they got a chance to lose this game. Like the touchdown was a late bullshit touchdown that like really didn't affect too much, whatever. They would have needed the, they would have needed an onside kick and then a field goal, like, all you know. So yeah. that really didn't make a difference. Like, to me, the Giants won easily. And I think Miami's going to win this game easy, too. It's just – it's a lot of points, man. That's why, like, games like this, I'd rather just tease down. Man, even at 11, like, you're teasing it down to five. Like, that's, that's still asking a decent amount here. I like, I like Miami. I think Miami's defense is very good. I mean, listen, Gio Bernard looked like shit. Samar J.P. Ryan's not very good. Yeah. And Brandon Allen was their quarterback, and he completed, like, 50% of his passes. And it just – since he – all the things we liked about Cincy, Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow, like that passing attack, none of that's there anymore, guys. So it's yeah. – you got to stop thinking about Cincy as that team. Right now, honestly, and I'm saying this as a Jets fan and as a jaded Jets fan who you know I'm brutally honest about my favorite team, I honestly think Cincy's roster right now, the way it's constructed with the guys on it, you know, not, not including the guys that are injured, is worse than the Jets roster. And the Jets just lost to Miami by – 17 points. Well, they had no sacks, no turnovers, and they can't stop anyone on their offensive line, which doesn't help anything at all. So, yeah, when you talk about dominating, the only touchdown they had until that garbage time touchdown was an immediate answer on a 100-yard kick return, which I don't see them doing against Miami. I do like this, actually, even at six. I like the Dolphins' defense. I think talking about this game more, I do like the Dolphins' defense to figure it out against the Bengals. I just think they're too good. And I think, like, even with the Jets, I don't think it's going to be pretty. I think the under will probably hit – but what in the Bengals is really going to scare you right now? I, I after after playing them last, my, week, like my biggest my biggest fear here with Miami, right, is I actually hope that Ryan Fitzpatrick is the quarterback because I don't know if Tua puts up twenty seven points. Like Fitz could throw three touchdowns and put up twenty seven points. If they put up twenty seven points, there's no way the Bengals are the, the Bengals can't cover. The Bengals can't score twenty one and cover. Like they, they're just not going. Not with the team that they have on the field. I mean, you mentioned it. It was a garbage time touchdown and a 100-yard kick return after the Giants scored early in that game. Actual, like, physical offense that the Cincinnati Bengals had to drum up, like they could not do it for 50 minutes of that game. They couldn't do anything there. So you can't rely on kick returns. Those are, like, fluky things that happen, you know, once the season. Like, that's, that's not something you could be like, oh, yeah, we'll get another kick return. Like, no, that was only, like, the happen. second or third of the season, I think. Kick return. There, there's right. been a punt return, but there hasn't been very many in a 13-week slate so far. So, 13-week season. But, Benny, that's it. That's all I got for you. Hopefully another winning week. Um, we've told the people we promised them winners. Haven't lost yet. I'm waiting for us to jinx ourselves. Have it. Hasn't happened yet. <laughs> the numbers don't lie. <laughs> I think if that's any indication, the numbers definitely don't lie, and they help you more often than not. I tell the people to listen to you. I told them to uh, turn the notifications on. Uh, they know it from every week, but why don't you tell them again? Where are they going to find you? They know you're here courtesy of FTN Network and FTN Beds. What else is going on? What else should they uh, look out for? Yeah, I mean, the, the easiest way to follow me is just follow me on Twitter at BennyR11. Um, you know, anything I post or any shows that I'm on or anything, any other guest spots or anything I do, it all goes up there. Most of the content that goes up on Twitter, everything I post on Twitter is free. So if you guys click on any of the stuff that I post up there, it's stuff that you'll be able to see. I do have some stuff over on FTN Bets and, and FTN Network that's behind the paywall that you'd have to pay for to, to kind of get that. Um, again, I don't make those decisions. That's 
So that's above my pay grade, even 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 with my uh, elevated position over here, it's still above my pay grade. Um, but again, I, there's enough free information I'm throwing out there that if you're a casual better and you're just trying to get some more information or feel like you're informed going, you know, going to the window to make your bets and stuff right out there, feel free to follow me. Feel free to check out FTN Bets. There's a lot of free tools over there. Uh, the prop, the prop shop stuff is pretty good. It shows you where the, you know, the best number you can get is the, you know, the parlay calculator is awesome if you guys are playing parlays. And I, again, I don't play parlays. I, I pretty much do straight bets most of the time. But I do know there is a whole subset of people out there that love the 5, 6, 17 parlay. You put all the legs of the parlay you want into our parlay calculator, and it'll literally tell you, especially if you're in New Jersey with all the books we have, it'll tell you where you'll get the best payout for playing those teams. Um, which I think is pretty cool because whether you play parlays or not, whether you make any better or not, you should always look for the best payout you're going to get on that bet before you make it. And that was one of the things that I made sure we built into uh, a lot of the tools we do at FTN Bets is that, you know, there are plenty of ways for even a, even a casual fan looking to get the best amount of payout they can get on their money. It's very easy to figure out what site you have to go to to get it. And if it's a site you don't have, we got all the promo codes there that you can get bonus money too. So definitely get out FT and bets. Yeah, absolutely. For a second, when you started talking about parlays, I was like, are you about to advise them on round robins? I thought you were going to go round robin. I was like, Benny, we don't have enough time on the show to talk about round robins right now. I tried it a few times. It just gave me a headache and I'm pretty sure I lost all my money. So we don't even have yeah, to get no. into that. <laughs> Here, here's my advice on round robins. Don't, don't, don't go. There. Just don't put a normal bet in. But, no. Um, that's all I got. That's all I got, Benny. Um, thanks again. Enjoy the shore, man. Uh, we'll talk soon. That interview with Benny Ricciardi was brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, another big shout-out to Benny for coming on the show. He never fails to give out great advice, especially in a hectic gambling week and fantasy week like the week we were about to have ahead of us with all this COVID chaos going on. But all we do is pump out winners. And be sure to like, download, rate, and subscribe on all podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Believe website, bleav.com. Follow on Twitter at NYFootballPod as well as myself at Tino Rodriguez. Guys, always a pleasure. Same time next week. Be safe. See you then. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube